Hi, my name is Jevilla, and I'm a trauma-informed somatic practitioner and therapist in training, yoga teacher, movement artist, and a co-founder of Less Stress, holistic mental well-being solutions that offer sessions, consultancy, workshops, and toolbox for businesses, individuals, and organizations. I'm also a host of Less Stress podcast, where we meet with a variety of professionals from trauma, somatic, psychology, science, spiritual, and activism fields to find, sense, feel, and talk about our interconnectedness as a way to find, create, and integrate new ways of personal and collective living, being, and connecting. I'm super excited today to introduce this episode as I think it's been long awaited and also we all gathered uh, at the table to record it live after a very very long time of doing it. So it's about creativity which I think is life. Vitals that fill my body, mind and soul that gives that fresh feeling of seeing things from different perspectives. Find solutions that surprise by their newness and outcome. Creativity is out of comfort feeling and being, is loving how it comes rather than how it's supposed to be. It's waking up, walking, changing daily pathways and so many every little details in our everyday lives. Creativity is allowing to feel what is, rather than believing in repetitive thinking patterns. Because it's trusting without exactly knowing where it can be. Creativity is flow that opens to things that we don't know yet. But by following the intuition, we also collaborate with logical mind to make sense eventually, which is so important. Creativity may start with chaos, but for me it mostly starts in stillness. In my center, in my core, I can access something that wants to unfold slowly into material form or expression. Creativity can be talked about from many sides. In trauma work, creativity gets blocked because there is a tendency to live from the past and not present for so many of us. Ways of navigating are limited due to rigidity in the body, perception, minds and frozen tension, both collectively and personally, of course. By getting to know our bodies, emotions and there our thoughts come from, allows us to truly connect with that flow of life, the natural creative flow, in sync with the physical flow in our bodies, helping them to rejuvenate and keep our vitals okay. In this episode we've met with Eleanor Johnson and River Flows. Eleanor is a British researcher, writer and artist based in Oslo. She's a founder of two companies, Flower Consults and Love Stories. And she was also our dear colleague in our her space business incubator for almost half a year. Our another guest is River Flows, God River, aka River Flows from Tanzania, who grew up in Norway. She's a full-time corporate lady, self-employed dance instructor and choreographer, who inspires to create an impact through dance and creativity. 
She founded Flow's agency and co-founded Playdance Tanzania for this reason, to create an impact. I'm truly excited to meet with them at the round table in Oslo in this amazing occasion to talk about creativity. This is Javilla and you're listening to Less Stress Podcast. Today I have with me um, Eleanor and River and also Gabriela as most of the time. So hello. 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 <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> Amazing. So without the further ado, I just start with a very simple question. Um, so however you want to tell in a storytelling way or in a factual way, uh, just tell a little bit about yourself and your personal story uh, that can be in relation to artistic life or anything that you feel important to voice it out at this point. So, yeah, River here. Thank you, first of all, for having me. I am not a pro at podcasts, so I will do my best. <laughs> now, so I am... Um, My story is long, but to keep it relevant to what we're speaking about today, I can say that um, being brought up with two different cultures, because I was born in Tanzania, but I grew up in Norway from the age of seven, um, being, you know, having two different backgrounds, culturally, you know, custom-wise, um, just in all different aspects of life, uh, became a bit confusing for me, especially as a child. And so when I finally... It found dance. Dancing is what I do. It became uh, sort of like an escape for me. And just everything artistic, you know, whether it was drawing, I did music, I did all different things, sports. It all became sort of um, a part of finding who I am and finding my identity and what I love to do and where I feel like I belong and where I feel like at peace. Uh, so fast forward to where I am today, it's still a big part of my life. Um, and I never want to say that art and creativity defines me, but it's definitely a big part of me and it's a part of uh, bringing that balance into my life, uh, into my everyday life, and a part of bringing me that inner peace and joy and harmony and keeping me afloat, but also keeping me wanting to grow more and elevate more because in art and creativity, there's always so much more to explore. So it still keeps that curious side of me uh driving um so yeah and um as of today i'm a 27 year old lady uh who's both in the corporate world but also in the creative industries and uh i couldn't be more happy of where i am i'm not where i thought i would be at 27 almost turning 28 in two days but i'm definitely where i need to be and i'm very happy and content with where i am so nice to meet you uh, i'm elena i am an anthropologist, an artist, and a writer. I grew up in Manchester, and I have traveled all around the world. I've lived in Paris, Hong Kong, London. I was very creative as a child, and at some point during my early 20s, I decided to stop all that and pursue a career in tech, I was really looking for, I guess, a sense of safety. Um, I mean, on the on the other side, 
I, I did see that there were lots of creative opportunities there as well, but I really dedicated all my energy to, to building um, my career in, in tech. Um, but I never really was able to walk away from creativity. And uh, in some way or another, art and fashion, um, music has always found me. Um, and it was only, I always called myself a writer. Uh, it was only recently that I discovered that I was an artist as well. I started painting about a year ago. And through that discovery, I ended up being able to write a lot more creatively as well. So I write and then I paint and then that unlocks a little bit more of a story inside me and the process is iterative. So I'm a little bit like you, Rivera. I, um, on the one hand, um, live uh, a corporate life and then I have my artistic side as well. And it's just an ongoing journey of discovery for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting that uh, we have to hold these two spaces in ourselves, um, and uh, and how do we connect them? Also, how do we get them to collaborate so we don't, for example, have to um, hide, <laughs> you know, the artistic world from the corporate world, and how are we met in in one or another? Like, where do we actually belong as well? Um, so I guess my other question is, um, I know that you mentioned uh, a bit um, that you couldn't kind of go get away from the creativity. And for you, it's also that you don't really revert, that you don't identify with it, but it's a big, big part of your life with, without it. Um, you know, it's, uh, I guess uh, you can uh, correct me, but it's difficult, I guess. It's a natural flow that comes out of you, out of your body and out of your expression in general. Um, so I guess my question is, when you do create art, now we are just kind of focusing on art uh, for now, <laughs> but uh, what is your intention? Where do you come, where does it come from? And uh yeah, I guess, what's your emotion? What's your intention? What is your values or morals or anything like that? When I create art, I mean, this is such a new process for me, you know, like using the A word, <laughs> art. Um, I definitely think it's a little bit like exploring unmapped terrains within me. I'm always really surprised at um, what I create, um, and I've always I've always written, and so my writing is at a point where I'm, you know, I really laboured my writing for years and years and years, and it's only now that I think I'm able to begin. I mean, this is like 15 years of trying to write one short story, and I finally managed to do that a year ago, and now I just can't stop. Um, and I think, and with with the painting, that was just a complete surprise I was like oh this is another means through which I can express myself but I um you know it's a little bit like you don't know what you're going to find until you go in and then and then you uncover some treasure and uh sometimes it feels like magic and sometimes it feels like really hard work um but the better that you get technically at what you do the more you create this container to fill up um whatever it is that you're trying to express but um, it's it's a really 
strange process. There's no science to it in a way. Or, or there is, but often it just kind of like, I don't know why it worked or I don't know why it didn't work. But uh, I can totally second that, Eleanor, because it's um, for me, uh, first to what you refer to calling yourself an artist. I don't think I've ever called myself an artist out loud because it's such a strange term I've always looked at I've always looked at myself as a creative individual I feel like that's always safer especially you know here in Norway it's like you have to be very careful with how you don't want to put yourself out too much because you don't want to seem you know but that's a whole different story um but yeah so for me when it comes to creating art or just creating in general. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I've, did, I've done a lot of different things over the years. Where to, I mean, I used to sing, I used to write songs, I used to play the guitar. So I always tried different things and that's what I meant with, I don't want to identify myself with just one thing because I just want it to flow. I don't ever want to put myself in a box like, oh, I'm just a dancer, or I'm just a writer, or I'm just, you know, whatever. However, like when it comes to creating, I think... I created my first choreography when I was like nine years old. <laughs> I remember it was like, when I think about it now, it was like, it was so silly. It was like so basic, but I was so proud of myself. I was like, yeah, these are my steps. Like I did this. I made this. And I just remember feeling this joy and I shared it with my sisters. My sister learned it. So we did it together and then we performed it for my mom. <laughs> you know, so it was this whole big step and milestone. And the same thing when whenever like I compose something on my guitar or I managed to write, you know, I used to write a lot of like poem, uh, short poems before, back in the day as well. So whenever I would create something, um, it would either be from a feeling that I'm feeling or something I'm going through um, or a period of my life that I'm going through. It was never like, um, if I say to myself, let me sit down and create something, it doesn't come. It will either come like whether I'm in the shower or I can be at my desk at work and I'm listening to music and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm getting all these steps in my mind or <laughs> getting all these ideas. So it just flows naturally. And back to what you were referring to in terms of um, how do you connect the two, right? Um, I think what I've learned over the years is to show up as myself. So, and I remember like I started this new corporate job last year and I remember I said in an interview I was like this is who I am um yes I work for you full-time but I also have this side of me that is a part of me that I will never neglect right so I am here today because I want to do this you know um I will you know speak openly I will sometimes dance in the office you know I'll just have music in my headset and I would just start if I get some moves in my head I would just start dancing and my colleagues just love it whereas I think just showing up as myself and being able to connect that and as well on the artistic artistic side being able to then use the tools that I learned from the business or the corporate side in terms of like the business aspect of it how do I build myself as an artist how do I build my own uh business that right how do I run that so being able to find the ways to connect the two worlds sort of and still show up as who I am has been such an important uh, aspect of my journey so far. It's so amazing to hear and there are so many questions popping into me at like simultaneously <laughs> so I'm trying to uh, to contain it and I guess it's one of the reasons 
that today I want to mention that we're not just talking about creativity and in artistic field, but how it actually expands to relational, social, even business uh, world, you know, and how I think it is such an important uh, uh, quality in our lives um, that we, um, you know, a society like often wants it to separate and just want to keep it like in the, on that mind level, on that very mental level. And I think both of you mentioned uh, that um, that it's you know it's it's a process. The creativity is a process um, uh, which you not always cannot uh, not always can control, and uh, also um, usually it's hard to say, oh, now I'm sitting to create, expecting a result, and then nothing comes. Um, and I think this also was kind of. Um, uh, you know, put on onto artists that you have to produce a thing, that uh, you have to focus on this uh, product, right? And the process itself, it's uh, again, it's focusing on the future and not so much on the present. And the creativity, in essence, I think it's such a um, it's such a present thing that always flows, that always moves and emerges in the present moment. Um, so. Yeah, this is this is for me like important to emphasize uh, that the presence of creativity. So, um, how do you think? How does that resonate with you um, in terms of your own creativity? How do you? I know that you already talked a bit, but how do you? Uh, how do you experience that as an expression of yourself? Um, how does it come to you? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess in the past I was. I was always really, I think I was so results driven for so much of my life that it just, it, that was probably part of the reason why my creative impulses were kind of killed off at quite an early age because I just, I had such high standards for myself. Um, and at some point, you know, a few years ago, I started to get a lot better at saying this is who I am and listening to who I am and what it is that I I'm comfortable creating and putting in the world. And um, I think now I try to pursue a creative life on a much more achievable <laughs> scale, you know? Like, where can I put little bursts of creativity when I'm cooking? I started um, a few years ago getting really comfortable with just dancing in the house. And it was when I just moved to Oslo. I didn't know that many people and um, I started to understand that you can kind of move this creative energy through you and kind of, I just, I just shook it up. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, then I kind of began to build my creative muscle again. It had been kind of, it had always been there, but I'd never really known where to put my creative outputs and what to do with it and maybe misdirected it. Um, so I think, yeah, there's definitely something to be said for just finding small parts of your life that you can imbue with creativity and also just not being too hard on yourself like if you just want to like not be creative for a bit and then you know when it grabs you when you just feel like oh my god inspiration or the you know what it you know whatever people call it the muse is like with you then you just grab that moment so I'm trying to build my life so that when I need to, I can just get up and be like, okay, I got to write, I got to paint, I got to do whatever I need to do. But it's very spontaneous, you know? 
If I can just add another perspective to that, um, to that thought process, it's very easy for us to have a solid income. You know, let's let's put income into it as well because there's so many factors to this, right? Um, if you have a solid income, it's easy to then lean back and focus on their creativity when it suits you best. But as you mentioned, for example, let's say there's an artist who signed to a label, for example, like they have to produce something, right? Then you have this pressure of like, you either produce something or you're out, right? And there's so many creatives who are in these positions where they have to produce something or they cannot eat, right? So then it becomes this question of, um, I don't want to say question, but I would say like more of a dilemma or in a, you're in a situation where even if you don't feel like you have the fuel or you have the muse or the inspiration, you still have to create. Um, and sometimes even under pressure, you can create something beautiful. Maybe it might not be as beautiful as if you had actually been in the present and in the flow, but it's something, right? And that's why like sometimes you have results that are super good and results that are like, oh, I don't ever want to listen to this again. I don't ever want to read this book again, oh. right? <laughs> I have so many th- pieces of like, or like, I've had, let's say, let's, let's say I have a workshop, right, in two days, and I literally have nothing in my mind. I don't have no idea what songs I want to use. I have no idea what I want to focus on that during that workshop. And literally hours before the workshop, then everything will come to my mind, like, that's what I'm going to do. I've had, you know, I've had situations where I've come to class I still don't know what song I'm going to use until I come to class and I start the warm up. That's when I'm like, okay, okay, let's do this. And sometimes it's become some of the best classes, like energy wise, like, cause I was just there in the present. Right. Uh, well, as when I, pre- some of the class times when I actually take the time to prepare days before and I come to class and it's like, oh, the energy is not there. So it's such a, I don't know. There's so many factors into it, right? You have the aspect of like, if that's your only way, source of income, you have to do what you have to do, right? To get the income flowing and the aspect of, you know, being blocked or not really knowing when it's going to come to you and it being the best results or it being not the best result, right? So there's so many different aspects uh, to that question or uh, dilemma, I would phrase it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would also add, I think that a really important distinction that I made not so long ago was the difference between content and art. You know, like I was putting on, you know, because you see people obviously out there producing so much work and then I'm like, okay, if I can just take the pressure off a little bit, I feel like I should put myself out there or I, I want to put myself out there, but like everything doesn't have to be a masterpiece. You can just make a reel in five minutes and, and it's enough, you know? So just kind of knowing what is part of a marketing strategy and what is something that is going to be a piece of work you're going to be super proud of, right? But it is just like a perpetual dilemma, like, do I want to make money from this? Can I make money from this? Is it going to completely, you know, destroy my drive? Or is the pressure going to be good? Sometimes when I get external pressure on me, for you know, people get asking me to create stuff, I'm like, yeah. So I don't know how it works. 
I just want to step in in 20 minutes of our conversation to bring another very important aspect which you kind of already mentioned, but just to emphasize this, from the place you create and your mental state is so much connected to expectations, what you want from that work or that process to get back to your own self. And uh, my work with art, as I was, yeah, I was very creative as a child and I was in theater school and it was amazing and it was Sometimes very hard, sometimes not, but the importance was that it was moving me so much that I wanted to work with artists. And that's what I've done imagining in myself, that this is the answer to all world's problems. The more art will be out there, the more peace will be out there. Somehow the correlation came to me in this way. And then working several years with the artist festivals, etc., I've seen that, oh, that's actually so stressful. First of all, because in Lithuania, where we are from, it's so important to be the best and suffer. Otherwise, if you're not suffering and you're not creating art from that painful, painful place, you basically are either not real artist, so to say, or you're kind of faking it. Or like, you are pop, you are not serious one. So there was all the school and history in our case, which kind of pushed us as artistic society to suffer and from that suffering, show it on the stage, show it on, you know, in our paintings, show it um, in, in, films. in films, books, everywhere was so, so dark. And then it was like question arising very like organically for me. So does that really mean that when I'm putting my pain out there, it's healing. And the answer came many years later that not necessarily. Yet, I worked, I was lucky enough to work with the art as a tool to bring very important messages, like work that Amnesty International on the death row uh, penalty campaigns where we use people's stories and art to tell the story and people are much more receptive to it. And this pain is real and this pain in art is necessary and we all know that sometimes it really helps us to heal. But I'm bringing more of the question for you from the perspective of how much of putting us through that expectation of pain can actually heal us and how much first of all we heal our pain and then we tell the story with a so to say happy ending or more like the recipe for you know hope and healing for others to take away at home that's a good one it's a deep one (laughs) (laughs) um and it's you know first it's true what you're saying i feel like a lot of times those who go through the harshest of the harshest. And you see it all the time, right? Oh, this actor slept in their car for four years before they made it. Or uh, this, um, you know, artist, you know, was sleeping on the, in the garage <laughs> for four years before they made it. And people who struggle the most are oftentimes more praised than the ones who maybe had a more uh, privileged life, right? And it should... In my opinion, that shouldn't be the case because whether you started off in a car or you had a comfortable life, if you have art, 
if you have art to share, it should still be acceptable, right? It just comes from a different perspective. I can relate to, you know, sharing art from a piece of, or a place of pain. Um, so I remember earlier I mentioned I used to write a lot before. I even had my whole uh, page just dedicated to that. Uh, it's now deleted. <laughs> Uh, since I was a little kid, I loved writing, just writing for myself. I never like publish anything. I just, um, that's how I process my thoughts. That's how I process my pain. That's how I process, that's how I, I healed. And then a couple of years back, I started sharing some of the things I was writing and a lot of people uh, started resonating with that. Um, it was everything oftentimes from a pace of pain. Uh, but for me, that was more of a healing process. So as you mentioned that I had gone through what I'd gone through. And then when I felt ready to share it as sort of a more inspiration, encouragement uh, from a place of uplifting others and ensuring them that you're not alone or, you know, you're not alone in this situation. You're not alone in this situation. It was accepted in a very positive way. Um, so it's very... So I can relate to what you're saying. Uh, at the same time, it's I remember some there's some things that I wrote that I I was very hesitant in sharing because I was like, is this gonna really uplift people or is it gonna make them feel sad? Either sad on my behalf or because at the end of the day, I'm like, a lot of these people know me because it was on my page, so they knew who it was. So I was like, okay, how are they going to perceive me? Like, how are they going to, you know, at work or school or wherever it was? So there is, um, I, I don't know how to, I don't know if there is like a correct, like balance to it. But I think as an artist, like when you're sharing from a vulnerable, when you're, even as a person, when you're sharing from a vulnerable place, just feel whatever feels comfortable enough for you. Because sometimes you can even feel like, oh, now I have to share this because all these other things I shared were so positively um, accepted, especially in our era of social media. Like, I mean, imagine you post something and then it hits one million, you know, uh, views and you're like, now, feel, now you know, you feel like you have to share this vulnerable side of it. But no, you don't have to. Uh, so I feel like knowing the limits of how, like knowing your own boundaries, like what are you comfortable with sharing without, you know, that external, those external forces or those external stressors um, is where, you know, where it is called. Key. The key. Yes. Thank you. The key. Uh, finding that balance. Yeah. It's, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really important, it's a big topic to talk about. I'm really passionate about that topic so yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I'm, I'm totally with you and I think we could probably talk about this for a really long time and, and a lot of the stuff I've been working on the moment has been about that exact question um, and the question of pain and I totally agree with you I've really been working so hard on figuring out where my boundaries are and occasions I've overstep the mark and then sometimes I think oh you know I could I could push this a little bit more like I'm I'm ready to tell this story in this way I think the question of pain I mean on the one hand like it's not just a you don't want to just commodify it and um I think it's often 
overvalued and um it's yeah like you say at what point is that just counterproductive uh and I think there's also something when pain is used for whatever creative impulse you know however you're expressing it I think when it's very raw when it's not been processed um obviously there are exceptions but I think that often it's really uncomfortable to to watch or experience uh, and I think there is a kind of alchemical process almost to taking what you need from that to grow and evolve but then also turning it into something that sits a little bit better with you and in you before you are able to share it I think it was Truman Capote who said like you should I, I have to completely paraphrase but your tears should have dried a long time before you try to stir up the same feelings in your reader and that really uh hit me because it's also about time right I think if you're creative you're often like oh my god I have to you know turn this into some kind of meaningful I don't know output and it's like oh, give yourself a bit of time you know but it's a big question for sure. And I feel it's uh, it's so important. And I think uh, you both uh, mentioned that, uh, you know, one thing is to, to show it as a raw thing, as a raw material. Another thing is to have the intention to transform. And in that transformation, you know, um, um, so it's actually showing that transformation more than showing the the raw pain to to, to people uh, to the receivers um, on the other side, and uh, I think uh, I guess I also want to share because <laughs> I myself went through the process. I am kind of um, I am an artist more of a ex artist ex dancer, which um, I don't do that much anymore. Um, I turned to the well-being and the therapeutic field. <laughs> um, so, um, but I remember um, when I had this wonderful opportunity to uh, to create a work um, through quite a long period of time. I was I, I had almost a year, and uh, I remember when I approached um, I, when I started it, I was like. I'm not sure if I can do it. Like I feel the pain and it's so big and it's so, so dangerous even, you know, it's, it can really either destroy me or like, you know, really scare someone, uh, someone off. And I remember just going through that process and trying to come across to the concepts and, and some structure and formats. Um, and I was really struggling. I was just really struggling because I felt so raw and, and so alone in this. Um, and then I remember just something towards like actually the end, just before the, um, uh, like a month before the premiere. Um, I was like, well, actually, I feel like I allowed that space where I could place all my pain and experiences and trauma and hurt and do something quite good with that I think maybe it wasn't the perfect thing it wasn't the perfect piece but it was very um like a birthing myself again um yeah and it just felt very empowering and at that point I exactly felt what it means to 
produce the pure pain and then without taking any responsibility um, and what it truly means to to go for the process uh, through that transmutation and transformation and then try to actually find the dialogue with that outcome that came out of you. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would also add that I can't create anything worth anything if I'm actually like really suffering in some way. So my biggest task has to be able to get enough distance from whatever it is that's troubled me to be able, you know, I, I, I couldn't, you can't do anything when you're in like the throes of chaos or pain. And I think there is this common misconception that, you know, great art is born of pain. I really like uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic. I don't know if you've read it, but she's like this trope of the tortured artist. It's like, it's really kind of counterproductive and you can create beautiful things from, you know, a place of just being honest with yourself and being healthy and looking after yourself. So I don't know why we kind of hold the the tortured artist in such high esteem. It's like mm. you shouldn't seek that out, right? I think it's a quite a bit of collective conditioning and uh, um and being attached to traumatic uh, memories as, you know, war and Holocaust and uh, colonialism and a number of things that are still very present in our collective consciousness. So in a way, because we haven't transformed that as, a society, as societies, it's, um, you know... <laughs> it's hard to kind of uh, get our bodies and our minds and our uh, emotions to that presence of the presence of the flowing. I feel about that pain versus flow reality in creativity and in general in our lives, where we act from, what's our where our choices come from every on every day's life, tasks and uh, not only creativity, but here. Yeah, thank you so much for answering my question so openly and uh, really appreciate that. And at the same time, coming back to society as we spoke, as it, it tends to want us because that's what we know. So Hamlet, all of the, our classics, uh, at least in the country where me and Javilla grew up, were very traumatic and dramatic stories so we we are used to drama but my other kind of side of this is that for us as a society we a lot of times cancel in general our emotional intelligence we never learned it we never like knew what it is and how to deal with our feelings emotions other than like cognitive behaviors we've been like forced into by societies so in that sense, sad music, very tragic story, can awaken some feelings which we cannot feel ourselves, just sitting here and like letting them out. So it does help also tremendously, therapeutically speaking also, to go through the process or just taking the pencils or like colors and watercolors and just putting out there. And then we don't think about so much about the result or who we're going to sell it, any marketing strategies. We just do it because we have to release 
something what's alive in us mm-hmm. and that either pain or joy in that way it's always true and aligned with what we feel at that moment so it's like we are allowing ourselves to witness that in a very kind of a structural way so something so one thing is to carry it and feel it and think about it and another thing is to get it out and actually see it and I think that has like such a transformative way not just for artists you know for all of us for humans for humanity um, as well to uh, yeah exactly to release the pain or the uh, tensions out of our bodies uh, that rigidity that is so ingrained in, in, in us I think, you know, just to add uh, a sort of like a uh, ending to that, uh, a huge respect, tremendous respect to artists, writers who are not afraid to tap into that space in order to create that art for us that we can use as a tool for healing, as therapy, as, you know, um, as you say, like sometimes I can be watching a movie and I start crying out of nowhere and I'm like, why, you know, but as I said, there's some unresolved feelings and traumas that we are not even aware of ourselves in our present, you know, form that it's just in our, what is it called, uh, conscious, yeah? So tremendous respect and gratitude to the artists who dare to tap into that space and create that for, for us, yeah. yeah. And I also think, uh, you know, for so many artists in the world, uh, creating and talking about um, some things are very dangerous as well. So this week uh, we had this Oslo Freedom Forum and we've seen the artists who do create in order to resist, you know, their uh, their politicians and the, the autocracies. Um, and I think... And it really showed uh, what kind of power the art can have. And so not just, you know, <clears throat> to be, uh, I guess, aesthetically pleasing, or which is an amazing thing for us, but also uh, to move and change uh, structures in the society too. So it's also a big thing uh, in that. Yeah. Now, creativity is everything between language, everything between... Um, what is what we agree on as a society and it pushes us forward and uh, it opens up new ways of relating to ourselves and relating to people and um, it also challenges um, society to to be more introspective uh, look at what's going wrong and um yeah i i um have worked a lot in, in my research with activists uh who use art as as artivism and um it allows you to um challenge um dominant hierarchies in a way that uh, you you can't use any other language to do yeah. so yeah, um, it kind of it takes you beyond what is I, often the stuff that's in the big institutions isn't um, isn't able to challenge that. So it's thing it's the art that is uh, outside of the status quo and what is perhaps easy to market that is able to uh, affect change. 
Yes, and I feel that they have this capacity to move and to bring this possibility that sometimes, you know, very traumatized societies are very frozen in that way and they are those that do represent that possibility and hope as well. Uh, I think that we are kind of coming towards the end of it. Uh, and I just before the last question, <laughs> I want to kind of ask... Um, uh, another thing uh, is how do you uh, how do you experience creativity in your day-to-day -day life and in your relationships even how does that uh, manifest into into that field have you ever um, yeah thought about uh, that <laughs> what about that well <laughs> I think you know as I mentioned earlier I'm just going to repeat myself a little bit I think for me what's been important, as I mentioned earlier, to show up as myself, right? So the creative skills, a lot of times when you think about creativity, we only think about art. But creativity is literally everybody's creative to a certain degree. It's just how much we allow ourselves to be creative, right? It can be anything from how do you solve your problems to how you plan your day to, you know, how you plan your outfit to how you cook your meal. Everything around us is creative if we choose to see it that way. So I think for me in my everyday life, it's, um, it's you know, as you mentioned, Eleanor, as well earlier, it's, it's the little things, right? Um, I can be, you know, I can be at home uh, watching Netflix or whatever, and then I just have this train of thoughts and I just turn off Netflix, open my laptop and I start writing. Right. Um, or it can be the opposite where I'm cleaning and then I just start dancing. So I try to, or as I mentioned, at work as well, even at work, I'm not ashamed of like, I'm going to show up as I am, wherever I am. Either you accept me as I am or you don't, basically. And I'm fine with that. So I think um, thinking of it not as a thing or a, a quality or um, something on your CV, but actually just who you are, your way of being, right? Because we're all creative in one way or another. It's just tapping into that and allowing it to take space because we live in societies that want us, want to fit us in a box, right? Or you're a corporate person, you're a corporate or you're a lawyer, a doctor, you're a dancer, you're a teacher, you know? So, but allowing yourself to just flow and be uh, in however way you feel like being, I think. I mean, yeah, I totally agree. It's 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 the stuff that it's the ways that we can surprise ourselves. We 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 get put in boxes, we get labels put on us, we get told who we are, and then life is about forgetting all that at some point and really discovering the parts of yourself that uh, are there to be celebrated as well. I think my way of bringing creativity into my relationships is celebrating other people's creativity in the smallest ways, in the ways that if you weren't looking for it, you might miss it. Um, I love fashion. I love the way that people, I don't love like the fashion industry. I, <laughs> I really don't love the fashion industry. Um, but I just always really celebrate when I see someone wearing something that I would never maybe choose for myself, but it looks so cool. You know, like, I don't know, someone wearing like funky tights or something I would never think to. And like, there are just small ways of, uh, you know seeing other people and um people are creative all the time and it's 
so fun, you know, that people imbue these little moments of creativity in the strangest places and places where you wouldn't expect there to be creativity. Um, so I think the more that you can kind of tap into that world where where people are constantly subverting norms or pl- being playful in every day and more of that, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Del- yeah. Definitely celebrating uh, one another. And that's something that's also really important to me as well. Like, Because I have a lot of friends in the creative field and, you know, whether it's just showing up to their event or giving them a shout out on social media or just, hey, sending them a message, an encouraging message like, hey, I see you, I see what you're doing and keep it up. You know, sometimes that can be the little things mm-hmm. uh, in celebrating them. So it's um, definitely important what you said there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So collaboration over competitiveness and... Oh, yes, and this city is very competitive, trust and believe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Everyone wants to be seen and heard and appreciated, that's for sure. I want to draw on that, actually. And really, first time you mentioned that already, that I come to the office and I dance and I am. That's, you know, for me, the essence of being. I Mm -hmm. am who I am today, either sad or joyful or dancing or quiet. The question in this particular society, because we are here for, we are foreigners here. We came and we're trying to either fit in or bring this another quality of being, which either is accepted or not, depending on our circumstances and surroundings. So my question comes more to where do you get the courage? And when we don't, we feel that's, you know, I would like to show up differently, but I feel I won't be accepted in the circumstances. So how do, how do I do it? You know, how do I encourage myself to be more myself when the country dictates in many, many, many fields in this country, especially corporate, that you present yourself one way and not the other way? Yeah, um, I think for me, it's just life lessons. And people always get so surprised. They're like, you're so young. How have you experienced so much? I'm like, yes, I have experienced quite a lot in my lifetime. But I think um, I've gone through quite a lot of dark times in my life. And um, I've hit the wall a couple of times. And in those experiences, I've learned that I cannot live for others. I cannot live for the pleasure of others. And when I was in the darkest of my darkest, I was by myself. I was like, nobody else is going to come to get me up. I have to get myself up. And what led me to that was basically me trying to please everybody else, not in the terms of being a different person, but in the terms of always meeting their expectations, always trying to be there for everybody, always trying to make everybody happy and forgetting myself. So when I finally met, you know, learned my lesson and managed to get back from that dark place, it was really, really important to me. And I told myself, I promised myself that, I will live to make myself happy first. Putting yourself first. Yeah. I will look after myself first. Because when I'm in the hospital bed, work will go on. The world will go on. The only people concerned will be my family and my close people. So I decided to, it was kind of like a switch. Because if you'd met me five years ago, I was this person that was always trying to make sure everybody is okay, except for myself. And then today I'm just, I wouldn't say 
quite opposite. Of course, I'm still concerned about other people's feelings and I'm respectful and all of that. But at still the same time, I try to make it my everyday agenda to remind myself that I need to be true to myself and how I feel. So yeah, sometimes I will show up at work super happy and jolly. And other times I'll be like, I don't want to talk to nobody today because I am tired or I'm exhausted or I don't feel like it. And um, in my workplace, I really pushing this, um, I'm really pushing this psychological safety to be able to show up as you are. And what's the point in pushing this if I myself do not show up as I am? You know what I'm saying? So, and I never want to, preach something that I do not act upon. I don't want to preach about inclusivity if I'm not inclusive. I don't want to preach about being yourself if I'm not being myself. So that's why I really, I mentioned like this, you know, that's my, the journey I'm on. Like, and I really wish that for everybody. And I know it's not, it's not easy. I mean, I am a foreigner. I'm an African lady with, you know, a really long last name that most people cannot pronounce. I am the only African person in my office. You can imagine that, you know, I show up to meetings and I'm like, hey, <laughs> this is me. This is what I think, uh, you know. So it's not easy. Sometimes I'm like, ah, should I say something? Should I not? You know, but, you know, those voices do still come, but I still just it's it's a I would say like it's a it's a practice. You just try to remind yourself every day, what can I do for myself? Even if it's one thing, what can I do for myself today that will make me happy? You know. So yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. But thank you. Drawing from that again, yeah. Do you feel or have you heard anyone t- telling you that oh you know you are different so you can show up as a foreigner however you want? Whereas like we were growing up in this type of society where we're trying not to be different. That's mm. the general kind of law, right? Mm. We're trying not to put ourselves as dancing on the tables because we really like that. Mm. So does it give also an excuse to be from outside, let's say? Mm. And this is a question for all of you who've mm. been part of Norwegian market, uh, job market and also life. Mm. I mean, I grew up here in Norway. I mean, I was seven when I moved here. So I have grown up with that Norwegian culture and those customs of, you know, fitting in and not looking different. I'll try to seem like you're better than others, not try to stand out. Um, But I don't know, there's always something in my spirit since I was a little kid. I never wanted to fit in since I was a little kid. Uh, I remember when my mom wanted to buy me the same shoes everybody was wearing, I refused. I was like, I do not want to be like everybody else. Um, I mean, I was bullied and mocked for that, but I didn't really, you know, uh, I I later learned that that was my strength. So I've definitely heard that, oh, it's because... It's because you're a dancer. It's because you're this. It's because you're that. That's why you have so much courage. I'm like, no. I mean, I have every excuse in my notebook not to be this courageous, literally. I mean, I am statistically, I am more more likely to lose my jobs. I'm more likely to be excluded from society. I'm more likely to, you know, so there's so many statistics that are against my odds, but I choose not to dwell on that and rather dwell on, okay, what can I do? today, like each day, you know, it doesn't matter that it doesn't mean that I am always discouraged every single day, but whenever I feel like, okay, I'm not being myself, what can I do to change that? Right. Mm. He sounds like creativity. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
I really like that you use the word courageous. One of, one of them, a poet that I really admire, she she tweeted the other day about, you know, courage being underrated. And it's not something that I think is celebrated enough. So it's really, um, it's really nice that it comes up and like what it takes to stand up and, you know, be, you know, have integrity with who you are and uh yeah it takes a lot of a lot of work to get to that point and especially when you know fitting in is you know everything here and at some point you just think where am I losing myself and you know what are other people losing as a result of that and it's so inspiring when people do actually find that their you know inner voice and what makes them uh, inspirational to other people, you know? I would like to continue, definitely. <laughs> this question kind of becomes a, a tradition that we ask for uh, our guests. And this time I think I, I want to ask all of you, um, what is less stress for you in any way? It can come in any way. <laughs> when I was just from today and now and here, after all the conversations we had and the themes we touched for me less stress comes when I'm aligned with what is and the more I do the inner work the more I let myself as I am to show up regardless of what that is then I feel in that alignment no matter what happens then I definitely am less stressed than I'm trying to pretend what's not so if even in the conversations which are very touching and you know you have to like hold yourself together and just not start like screaming, shouting, crying, laughing, whatever. It's so, I'm learning this. I'm in, in this journey together with you for already like three years now. But I see how much of that changed in me that I can be more aligned with what actually is, first of all, to myself. And from that on, other people either follow or disagree. But then what River said, it doesn't matter that much anymore because I'm not looking for their confirmation on my existence. I had my own kind of authority on that, that I am as I am now. And I'm showing up enough in the way things happen. Yeah, I mean, I, life gets infinitely less stressful when you just accept it. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that's just tale as old as time, you know, common wisdom. It sounds really easy in practice and in theory, but in practice, you know, accepting how your life has been and how your life is. And uh, that was my big goal for 2023. And um, when you realize how much, uh, well, when I realize how much I, I still struggle with that and how many places that I, I struggle to accept what is and it's like you say once you're in alignment and then when you do reach those moments where you're like oh you know what everything is how it should be and the timing is how it should be and you have that moment of clarity and it all feels worth it for having worked so hard to to accept it but it's an ongoing process and um I haven't reached 
enlightenment. (laughs) (laughs) But um, that makes life a lot less stressful. And also having great relationships with the people in your life. I, uh, I try every single day to make the relationships in my life a little bit stronger, a little bit healthier. And that's a great way to live. Uh, this is going to sound like a cliche, but basically what they said, um, being in alignment, um, accepting what is, not what was, uh, not not longing for what was or what is to be, but what is. And it, it is difficult, as Eleanor mentioned. It is a process for me. It was a process to know that, especially after my burnout, like what I was capable of doing before, and then suddenly I, my body couldn't do it anymore and my mind couldn't do it anymore. It was such a hard process to accept that, okay, I am here now and I need to find the new me, sort of. But it's so it's so easy and so peaceful uh, when I finally learned to just accept where I am, who I am, that I will have people who will not agree with me. I will have people who will not accept me, whether they're close ones or strangers, uh, that life moves in phases. There are some phases where I'll be, you know, super happy with one thing or super interested in one thing. And then after six months, I'm not there anymore. You know, also learning that, that things change. So it's an ongoing journey. And it's, you know, as uh, I think it was my dad or somebody who said, like, the mo- if the moment you stop, uh, the moment you start stop accepting to uh, accelerate and learn and grow is the moment you die. So... Mm. Life is a journey. We'll never fully. I don't. I don't ever want to feel like okay, I'm complete. I always want to. I always yearn to want to keep growing and learning and exploring and discovering. You know. So uh, that's that's what's less stress. What is it called? I must say, it feels. I just uh, when you were talking, I felt how wonderful it is to actually record with so many of us, not just one on one, but actually having a round table. <laughs> And talking this way, it feels so enriching and and wonderful. And I feel very grateful for today. Uh, So thank you. Thank you, River. Thank you, Eleanor and Gabriela. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This was really what I needed today. So thank you. Amazing. Thank you for coming to the end of our conversation. Once again, I truly hope that you take something from it and bring it with you. I just also want to kindly remind you that if you want to support the growth, the continuation of our podcast, um, it truly helps to, to, to focus more on this because we purely do it out of passion and we find those amazing people all over the world just because it's so amazing to connect all of them to such a different variety of people and different variety of professionals that we really find inspiring. So your support is really, really amazing. Thank you so much. And also... If you would like to rate uh, our podcast on Spotify on Apple, you can just simply go and give, well, all the stars that you like. Uh, Also, uh, if you follow, 
uh, our podcast, especially on Spotify, so it's easier not to miss any new episodes. So once again, I think it's uh, really nice to say that we're kind of going to rest for the rest of July and I'll see you for another really amazing, already recorded episodes, probably around mid-August. So thank you so much and enjoy. Thank you.